We'll be in the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter number 8. The book of Matthew chapter number 8. I just, uh, in, my, in my daily reading, uh, I came across this and the Lord just gave me the message and I'm like, you know what, we're just going to preach that on Sunday night. And so uh, just a, a simple message, but I hope that it will be a blessing to you and be an encouragement to you. I do want to tell you, and I don't say this braggadociously, but I say this as an encouragement to encourage others because oftentimes life gets busy and the devil likes to tell us that we can't do things, uh, but uh, the Lord has uh, blessed me and I took on the, the challenge challenged myself that I wanted to read the Bible through multiple times uh, this year and I said I wanted to read it through at least three times, hopefully four times this year and I have finished it once and I'm almost halfway through it again this year. And uh, you say, well, you know, you've got that, all that time to sit in the office and read. I wanted to be fair about it so I do my Bible reading at home. I don't do my Bible reading uh, during my office time while I'm here. I do Bible reading here but not reading through the Bible. And uh, so just let you know, it can be done done. An hour a day, you can read the Bible through in 70 days. 45 minutes a day, you can read the Bible through in 90 days. Uh, the Bible is a very easy to read through if you just cut out a little bit of time to read the Word of God. And boy, I tell you what, I have enjoyed reading through the Bible. I have seen so many things that I never seen before because I hadn't read it in that close of a sequence. And boy, whenever you go reading through the Word of God and you read and then, you know, you read 30 minutes later and you read another chapter and you had never read them side by side before. I'm telling you what, it just ties a lot of the Word of God together. And like I say, I don't say this braggadociously, I think it's something that every Christian ought to do and it shames me that I had never taken it on like this before. So I just say it to encourage you, carve out 30 minutes a day that you read the Word of God and you can read the Bible through twice in a year. It's just, it's so easy to do. And now I know that there's all types of reading plans that you can do and I have tried every reading plan that is out there uh, to read the Word of God, read so much in Matthew and so much in Genesis and uh, then there's the reading plans, read this many chapters a day or read so many pages a day and all this stuff. And I'm telling you, what I have found works best for me is start at Genesis 1-1 and just read her all the way through. And so I, I keep an eye on the clock and say, uh, you know what, I'm going to read. And I'll, I'll admit to you, there are some days whenever I sit down and I read and I look up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I done went over time. But that's not the normal. Uh, there are a lot of times when I sat down to read and I'm like, goodness, I done been reading all day long. I'm going to have to go do something else. And I look at the clock and I've been reading 15 minutes. And so uh, there is both sides. But I just encourage you, get into the Word of God. When you get into the Word of God, I'm telling you what, it will come alive to you. There was a young preacher said to the old preacher, he said, I read the Bible and I read the Bible and I read the Bible, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything for me. And the older preacher said, gave him a strainer and said, can you fill this up with water for me? He poured the water through it and he poured the water through it and he poured the water through it and he's like, Pastor, this doesn't make any sense. I can't fill the strainer up with water. He said, yeah, but if you look at it, look how clean it is. <laughs> I'm telling you what, you say, you say, Pastor John, reading the Bible, I don't get anything from it. Well, you keep letting it go through you and go through you and go through you. It'll make a difference in you whether you notice it or not. So, hey man, sermon number one, hey man. I'm telling you what, Matthew chapter number 8. Uh, you read through the book of Matthew though. Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord uh, gives us many things uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of chapter number 7, Jesus had just finished uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Bible 
Bible tells us in uh, chapter 7 in verse uh, 28 and 29, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not uh, as the scribes. We see here uh, that Jesus had taught, he had taught with authority, and the people had listened, and the people were intrigued. And so when he left, there were people who followed him uh, uh, because they were curious about who he was and what else he might have to say. But in chapter number 8, the first few verses, the first four verses, we read the story of a bigger blessing. He benefited more than the others. He did more than just listen and wonder. He allowed his life to be changed. He stepped out. He ventured beyond the safety of the crowd and Jesus met him with grace and mercy. And so this evening, I want to take a few minutes and look at this story of this man here in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. And I've titled the message, Are You a Believer or a Bystander? Are you a believer or a bystander? Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 1, the Bible says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord... If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that whenever we open the book, Lord, wherever we open it, Lord, it is filled with truths. It's filled with examples. It's filled with stories. Lord, that if we take the time to notice what takes place, Lord, it can change our lives. And Father, I pray, Lord, as the Lundy sang just a little bit ago, that Lord, it be our desire, Lord, that we would live a life that would bring glory to you. Lord, that we would live a life Life. Now that would be a light in the community. We'd live a light that would cause others to want to be drawn to you. And Lord, as we look at this story, uh, Father, Lord, and we consider this thought, are you a believer or a bystander? Father, I pray that it will challenge us. I pray, dear Lord, that we will go away, uh, Lord, with a fervor, uh, Lord, to live a life uh, uh, as a believer. Father, thank you for your goodness. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Whenever it comes to interaction with Jesus, Uh, you will find that there are two groups of people. Uh, uh, There are those uh, who are believers uh, and there are those who are bystanders. Uh, And I really think that this applies to all people everywhere. Uh, There are two groups of people. Uh, There are those who believe uh, in Jesus uh, and they act on that belief. Uh, And then everyone else uh, are bystanders. Everyone else uh, are people who are simply observing uh, this man Jesus. Now the bystanders come in all varieties. You have bystanders who are genuinely curious. You have bystanders who genuinely would like to know more. You have bystanders who deny that Jesus ever existed. But there is no person who is not affected by the existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And regardless of how they respond to him as a bystander, whether they are interested or whether they reject him, they are bystanders. But the other group of people are those who believe 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look in this story, we see both groups of people. We see both the believers and the bystanders. Now in the groups that are in this story, we'll see that both groups have some similarities. Both groups have some similarities. Both groups, one group consisting of one person in this story and the other group being the crowd. Both groups, though, claim to have knowledge of God. If you recognize, both groups had just listened to Jesus teaching on the mount. All the people included had just listened to all that he had shared. All the people were amazed at what he had said because he was one that taught as having authority. They both claimed knowledge of God. They both claimed to have experienced God because they had been there. They had listened to Jesus. They claimed that they have experienced Him. Both claim to have walked with Him. They're all following Him off the mount. They all claim that they have walked with Him. But only one can show evidence that He interacted with God. Everybody says we know Him. Everybody says we've experienced Him. Everybody says we have walked with Him. But only one can show proof that He has had an encounter with God. You know what? Many times whenever we look at people who claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find that there are people who claim to have a knowledge of God. They claim to have experienced God. They claim to have walked with God. But whenever you look at their life, there is no evidence that they have ever encountered God. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that there are two groups of people. There are believers and there are bystanders. There are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to the point that they will submit themselves to Him and His will and allow Him to do as He will with them. And then there are others who remain in the safety of the crowd and never truly experience the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing we see as we start into this message is a curious crowd, a curious crowd. It says there in verse number 1, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Here is a group of people who were interested in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said there in the end of chapter number 7 that they were amazed not only that he taught, but they were amazed in how he delivered his message. They were intrigued and they were open to hearing more of this teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? We live in a day when our communities, but even more so our churches across America are intrigued with Jesus. We have churches all over the place that claim to be a lighthouse that claim to be a beacon, that claim to be the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are intrigued with Jesus. They love verses of Scripture such as Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that is true. And it's a promise that I can claim. It is one I can depend on. It is one that I can live by. But these churches, they love to claim these verses. They love the verse that says, I know the plans that I have for you. They know the verse that says, then shalt thou have good success. And they love all these verses. And they love to post these verses. And they love to proclaim these verses. And they are intrigued with Jesus. But the problem is, when you look at their life, there is no evidence of an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no evidence that they have been touched by the Savior. 
You know, whenever Jesus was teaching, he said some things that would make you stop and think. Whenever you listen to the teachings of Jesus, whether you're a Christian or not, there are things about his teaching that simply rings true. You may not want to believe it. You may not want to accept it, but it rings true. Uh, maybe sometimes it hits a little too close to home. So people come. People listen. People are intrigued. But the majority of people stay in the crowd. The majority of the people stay in the safety of the crowd. The majority of the people keep their distance from the personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in truth, these people in this story were following Jesus. They followed him off the mount. These people were interested in more of what he had to say, but these people were not committed to him. They were simply curious about him. They followed him off the mount, but they weren't believers. Uh, they were bystanders. They were observers. Uh, and whenever they become bored, uh, or whenever they lose interest, uh, or whenever something more important comes up, uh, they will stop following, they will stop listening, uh, and they will return to where they were before. And I'm telling you what, we see these people all the time uh, who are part of the crowd, uh, who are intrigued with the things of the Lord, uh, who are following, uh, who are listening, but they are not committed and whenever something more important comes along they stop following, they fall out and the problem is they were bystanders, they were never ever believers. We see here that they are part of the crowd. They're just curious observers and their lives were never changed. However, when we look at verse number 2 we see that in the crowd there was one who was more than just a bystander. There was one who was willing to step out. There was one who wanted more than just simply information. And so we let's look here at, at verse number 2. We see here in verse number 2 of Acts chapter number 8, it says, And behold, there came a leper. Now whenever I think about this, I think that here is a multitude of people. Here is a crowd of people. Here is a group of people that have heard the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have become interested in the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have followed the Lord Jesus Christ, but they have not committed themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet we see one stepping out of the crowd. You know this is how it will always be. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said in, in his teaching in Matthew chapter number 7, he said, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. The wide gate will hold the crowd and few find that narrow gate. The broad way holds the crowd. The narrow way attracts the few. The broad way is well populated. But many, many times the narrow road is a road that we travel alone. We see here in verse number 1 a crowd who is curious but not committed. But in verse number 2 we see a leper who is condemned but convinced that Jesus can make a difference. Amen. 
We see a curious crowd. I'm interested. I think this is cool. This is what everybody's talking about, so I don't mind being a part of it. This is what's got everybody's attention, so I don't mind tagging along. This is accepted. This is, this is something cool. They're following. But then we see a leper who has a completely different approach than everybody else in the crowd. Now, whenever we look here in verse number 2, we see this condemned leper. Now, whenever we think about this condemned leper... I am sure that every person in the crowd thought they were better qualified to talk to Jesus than the leper. Everybody in the crowd felt that they would have been a better candidate to sit down and have a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Every person in the crowd felt like Jesus would have been more interested in talking to them. But whenever we look here, we see that it was a leper who stepped forward. It was a leper who wanted a closer interaction. Now, I'm sure that everyone else in the crowd thought that Jesus would rather talk to them but do you know who Jesus wants to talk to? Jesus wants to talk to the person that wants to talk to him. Jesus wants to talk to the person that is paying attention to him. I imagine that the crowd was appalled that a leper, a leper would be so bold. They couldn't believe that a leper would walk up face to face with Jesus Christ. But you see, the leper, the leper believed that Jesus could make a difference. You know what makes people step out of the crowd? You know what makes people uh, uh, be uh, leave the crowd for a personal interaction with Jesus? Uh, is when they believe that Jesus can make a difference. You see, the problem is there are many people uh, who claim to be religious, uh, but they're not in it uh, for Jesus to make a difference in them. They're in it for the cool factor. Uh, they're in it for the acceptance factor. Uh, they're in it for the Instagram post. Uh, they're in it for the good coffee cup picture, uh, but they're not in it for a change in their life. But whenever you truly believe that Jesus can make a change in your life, your condition doesn't matter. Your position doesn't matter. All that matters is that you want to get to his feet because you believe he can make a difference. We see here that this leper stepped out of the crowd. I see three things here in verse number two about this leper. First of all, I see that this leper was aware of his condition. He knew that he was a leper. You know, until we recognize our condition, until we see our need, we will not be moved to draw closer to Jesus. Until I recognize how incapable I am, until I realize how unworthy I am, until I realize how much wisdom I lack, until I realize how insignificant I am without Jesus, until I realize that I will not be moved to have a closer relationship with Him. But whenever I recognize my condition and I realize that the Creator is offering to have a personal relationship with me, then it's a no-brainer for me to leave the crowd and have an interaction with Jesus because He is the one that can make a difference in me. 
This guy recognized his condition. He knew that he was a leper. He was aware of his helplessness. He knew that there was nothing that he could do to stop the decay and the degeneration that was taking place in his life. He knew that his only hope was an intervention from someone who was greater than him. You know, I said a moment ago that everybody in the crowd probably thought they were better qualified because they didn't notice their own condition. But I guarantee you in the crowd there were many, many people, matter of fact everyone, that could have benefited from a personal encounter and a personal interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. But only the leper stepped out. Only the leper stepped out. There was many more that could have been helped, but they chose to keep their distance. They still believed that they were going to be okay, but this leper stepped out. He knew his condition. And after he had heard Jesus speak, see, everybody else heard Jesus speak, and they were intrigued. This guy heard Jesus speak, and he was convinced. They heard Jesus speak and they're like, that's interesting. We've never heard it put that way. He heard Jesus speak and he said, that will change my life. They heard Jesus speak and they wanted to philosophize. They wanted to argue with him about it. Couldn't say that word, Darren. It didn't come out. They wanted to argue with him about it. But this man, he wanted to worship him. There was a difference. You see, this man, he was in awe of his creator. That's the second thing I see. First, he recognized his condition. Secondly, he was in awe of his creator. Look what he did there in verse number 2. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. You know how you approach the Lord Jesus Christ? You approach him in a spirit of worship. You approach him in a spirit of humility. You approach him in a spirit that says you are so great and I am so small. You are so powerful and I am so helpless. You approach him in a spirit of worship. We see that this leper was in awe of the creator and when he approached the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't approach him in arrogance. He didn't approach him with an attitude that the Lord owed him anything. He didn't approach him with a spirit that said you have to do this for me. No, he approached him in a spirit of humility. He approached him in a spirit of brokenness. He approached him in a spirit that says I recognize that I am at your mercy. He approached him in a spirit of worship. If you want to be able to communicate with the Lord Jesus Christ, let me encourage you to learn to come into his presence in a spirit of worship. Many times whenever we approach the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, we fail to worship Him. We're so busy. We're in such a hurry. We have so many things that we have to do that many times we fail to take the time to simply just worship Him. Just worship Him. You know what? Your prayer time doesn't have to be filled with lists and constant talking, although lists are good and remembering to pray for each person that asked you is good. I'm not, I'm not taken away from that at all. But I believe whenever you enter into His presence, sometimes it's good to just be quiet. 
Just bow before Him. There's no words. What do you say to a God like Him? Every now and again, Lord, I need you. Lord, Lord, I need you. Come before him and worship. Now I know that salvation is simple. And I believe with all of my heart that salvation is simple. I believe that all that must be done to receive salvation is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. But I think we've misused and misinterpreted the Word of God because when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I will approach Him in a spirit of worship. It won't be a simple, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus and we're going on our way. No, it will be a spirit of worship and that spirit of worship will be full recognition of my wickedness. It'll be full recognition of how undone I am. It'll be full recognition of how much I need God. It'll be a full acknowledgement of His power. It'll be a full acknowledgement that I am at His mercy and I believe on Him and that belief drives me to my knees in a spirit of worship. This leper approached the Lord Jesus Christ and when he became before the Lord Jesus Christ, he met him with worship. The leper came before Jesus. He was in awe of his creator. Then the third thing that I see here about this leper, not only was he aware of his condition and all of his creator, but I want you to see the spirit of his request. The spirit of his request. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I see two things right here I want to show to you. First of all, I want to see that he came to the Lord in a spirit of true humility. He said, if thou wilt. Not you owe this to me. Not you have to give this to me. Uh, not I deserve this. Uh, Lord, if thou will, I am at your mercy. Uh, I have come before you recognizing that you have everything that I need. You have the ability to restore me. You have the ability to cleanse me. You have the ability to make me whole. Uh, I have recognized that everything I need, uh, everything that will complete my life, uh, everything that will give me new meaning. Everything that will set me on the right track is in you. I see it. I know it's in you. But I understand that I am at your mercy. I don't come demanding. I come begging. I don't come saying that you owe it to me. I come saying, Lord, if you will have mercy on me, I am willing to accept the touch of your hand if you will. He came to the Lord. The spirit of his request was in total humility. The Bible tells us much about humility. In Matthew 23 and verse number 12, the Lord says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. James 4, 6, the Bible says, But he giveth more grace. 
Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Down in verse number 10 of James 4, it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I see that the leper came in a spirit of humility. But then I like this second part of the spirit of his request. Not only did he come in a spirit of humility, but he came in a spirit of complete faith. Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me whole. Not only was he humble, but he said, Lord, I have no doubt. I am completely convinced. I totally believe that if you will, you can make me whole. I have humbled myself before you. I have stepped out away from the crowd. I have embarrassed myself in front of all the rest of these people. I have acknowledged my leprous condition. I am here before you. And the reason I am here before you is because I believe with all of my heart that you are able to make me whole. You know what we need to communicate to this world? We need to communicate to this lost and dying world that we serve a God who is able to make them whole. The church, it seems, has gotten away from preaching deliverance. It seems that the church wants to market to people that are already morally in good shape. I want to say that we need to quit trying to market that way and we need to start going back into the gutters and we need to start going back into the hell holes and find the people that think there's no hope, that thinks their life is wasted, that thinks there's no tomorrow, and we need to tell them that we serve a God who can make them whole, and we need to take this message of hope and proclaim it to a lost and dying world that there is a God who can make them whole. Whenever I look at the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, I find that he ministered and he went and found the ones that society had given up on and he told them, I can deliver you. And he built the church on a bunch of people that the world said there was no hope for because he can deliver. The church of today tries to market to Pharisees. Whenever you market to Pharisees, you get a church full of good moral people who have never encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to get back to preaching that he has everything that we need. We see that this leper, this condemned leper came to the Savior. We see that because of his belief, he had a complete cleansing. Look at verse number 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. You know, this is just something I love about our Savior. Now, the, the spirit of the leper was correct. The humility was correct. His attitude was correct. The fact that he said, I'm at your mercy and it's entirely up to you, was correct. But something the leper must have not known about our Savior is if you come to him, he will touch you. 
If you come asking for his help, he does not withhold his hand from any. There is no one that he is not willing to save. There is no one that he is not willing to offer the grace that can make a difference. There is no one that has gone too far. There is no one that Jesus will not reach out his hand and touch on. The other day, not Michaela, Kale was learning about Hitler and some of the things that Hitler had done. What a terrible guy he was. So Melissa was talking to Kale about Hitler and telling her a little bit more about Hitler and the terrible things that he did. But Melissa told Kale, she said, but if Hitler would have turned to Jesus, Jesus would have saved him. Now, I may not get Kale's words just right. I heard the story secondhand. But Kale said something along this line to her mother. Jesus has a lot more love than I do. I'm telling you, you couldn't put it any better. You couldn't say it any deeper. You couldn't say it any more accurately because he does have a lot more love than I do. There are people who I may not be able to forgive. There may be people whose sins I may not be able to move past. There may be people whose offenses I am not able to get beyond. But whenever it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will humble yourself before him, he will touch you. It says right here it says and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him saying I will I'm telling you what if you want to run into somebody that tells you that Jesus has a limited atonement just read this verse to him right here because Jesus reached forth his hand and said I will any sinner that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation you know what Jesus says I will save you there is nobody that he withholds his hand from. Jesus put forth his hand and said, I will be thou clean. You know what I love this about our Savior? He doesn't speak empty words. If he speaks, something happens. You can remember going back to the book of Genesis and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let the dry land appear, and the dry land appeared. And God said, let the earth bring forth fruit and trees and herbs. And the earth brought forth, and all through the book of Genesis it says, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. And this leper comes before the Lord Jesus. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I will be clean. And the Bible says, and immediately his leprosy was clean. You know what? Whenever you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and you say, Lord, I believe immediately He washes you as white as snow. Immediately your sin is covered. Immediately you have access to the throne room of God. Immediately you are able to get your prayers answered. Immediately he does a work in your life. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. We see that this young man received a complete cleansing. There was no more leprosy. It was completely gone. This young man, I'm calling him a young man. The Bible doesn't say how old he was. 
He looked at his skin and he was surprised at what he saw because he was so different from what he was before. You see, when he came to Jesus, he was a leper. When he came to Jesus, he had the sores on his body. When he came to Jesus, he was under the influence of this disease. And Jesus said, I will be thou clean. And when he looked at himself, he was completely renewed. He was completely brand new. He was completely changed. And I believe when he looked at himself, he was surprised at how different he was. Now, he believed that Jesus would heal him, but he didn't understand the extent of how how much Jesus would change him. You say, what are you getting at, Pastor John? The Bible says, behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I believe when somebody truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord restores them in a spirit of salvation, I believe that person looks at themselves and they are surprised at who they meet. They recognize that I'm no longer the person that I used to be. I no longer have the desires that I used to have. I no longer am enslaved to the chains of sin. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You say, hold on, Pastor John. What about someone who has an addiction? What about that? Do they still have that desire? They do, possibly. There has been times that God's delivered people 100% completely at the moment of salvation. But there are people who still have a scientific chemical going on in their body. And their body still wants to have that drink, to take that smoke, or whatever it is. But there's something on the inside of them that was never there before. And when they reach and get that bottle, there's something on the inside that says no. Their flesh may say, I want a drink, but the Spirit says, no, you don't want that anymore. Their flesh says, we need that buzz, but the Spirit says, no, and it was never there before. And they say, something has changed on the inside of me. Something is different. I'm not the same person that I used to be. My dad tells the story about how after he accepted Christ as his Savior, my dad used to have an alcohol problem before he was saved. He was in the hospital and someone led him to the Lord there in the hospital. He got out of the hospital. He was going to church and doing, growing in the Lord. And he said he knew, you know, drinking was bad. And, you know, he had been taught that Christians shouldn't drink as a child. And, but he said he stopped at the store one day after work and there it was in the cooler. And he thought, I one we just won't hurt. So he got himself a, an alcoholic drink and went out and got in his vehicle and he said, I started down the road and he said, I opened that thing up and he said, about right here, something said, uh-uh. He's like, I'm like, what, what, uh-uh. He said, I rode down the road looking at that thing and finally it went out the window. There was something different on the inside of me. Is those addictions, are those addictions still there? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're strong. Sometimes they take some healing but there will be a difference that you will recognize. This young man received a complete cleansing. But then the last thing that I want to point out to you this evening is in verse number 4. After this man's encounter with Jesus, he exhibited 
a convincing testimony. In verse number 4, And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. We see that this young man had a convincing testimony. Jesus said, I don't want you going around and telling everybody what I, what I did right now. He said, what I want you to do first is I want you to go to the religious authorities. I want you to go to those who know what to look for. And I want you to go there and I want you to let them check you out and see whether or not you've genuinely been held to your leprosy. And so off he goes to the priest. Baal writes, when he got to the priest, the priest looked at him according to the law. And the priest said, sir, you're free to go home. You don't have any leprosy. Yeah. Now if we could compare that to salvation. I believe that whenever Jesus does a work in a sinner's life, that sinner will have a convincing testimony that God has made a difference in my life. There will be evidence that God has made a difference. There will be evidence that God has done a work. There will be evidence that God has wrought a change in your life. Now I'm not saying that you'll be fully developed as a Christian. I'm not saying that you'll be able to quote chapters of the Bible. I'm not saying that you'll understand any doctrines or theologies. I'm not saying that you'll be a mature Christian in any way like that. But I am saying that people will be able to look at you and they will recognize that something happened to him. There's a change taking place in that person's life. There is a convincing testimony that God has met with him. I get troubled whenever I see people cheapen salvation. Now don't get me wrong. Salvation is simple. It is so simple. And I get troubled when people overcomplicate salvation because it's super simple. But whenever people cheapen it and they say that somebody as big as God can move into your life and it never shows on the outside, I believe they're discrediting what this Bible teaches. Because this Bible tells me that when I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a change that takes place that continues for the rest of my days. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I believe that salvation changes people. Salvation makes a difference. I see here in this leper a story. I see two things. The story of the leper, one, I see an illustration of the power of God in being able to take a sinner or to take a leper and cleanse them from their sickness. But I also see an example of what salvation can do. My question this evening is are you a believer or a bystander? Are you part of the crowd who just participates in religion because it's what everyone else is doing? Or have you stepped out of the crowd and put your 100% complete, wholehearted belief in the fact that Jesus can make a difference in my life? And have you experienced that change? 
Are you a believer or are you a bystander? Are you a casual observer or are you committed to the cause of Christ? I tell you what, we ought to be people who are believers. Not just part of the crowd, but people who individually say, Lord, I believe. They can do what they want, but I want you to make a difference in my life. Father.